Today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I will do what others can't. Jerry Rice. Welcome back to the podcast that helps you be the leader. I'm Jeremiah. I'm your host. And for those of you that are new, this is a podcast to teach you how to be the leader in life at your work or in your sport, in your profession. This is a leadership and personal performance podcast. It's for people that want to win, but the overall goal is to help you become a top performer in your field. It'll help you establish a foundation in leadership and help you evolve from a poor leader to a good leader or a good leader to a great one. Um, guys, I just want to say thank you right up front because I was just notified that we got into the top 200 podcasts on iTunes. And so I just want to start this off by saying thank you guys, um, for spreading the word, spreading the message, sharing, leaving reviews, because we, we couldn't get that ranking by ourselves. You guys did that. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Um, for those of you guys that are new, I ask that if you find value in, today's episode, any episode that you share it with a friend. That's the only thing that I ask. And, uh, in return, I'm going to give as much value as I can per episode and help you evolve your life, um, and help you become a stronger, more powerful leader. Uh, but today's topic, let's get into it. Today's topic is on the easy way out. I'm going to teach you how to commit and stay committed to what you say you're going to do. And the reason this is important is because, you know, imagine if, you replaced all your bad habits with good ones. Who would you be? So we're going to dive into that. We're going to talk about how to prevent taking the easy way out. But before we do, um, some housekeeping. And as always, I'm joined by my trusted advisor and the godfather of <laughs> podcasting, the, the <laughs> Justin, the notorious mm. Phillips. How much thought did you put into that? <laughs> that was on the fly today. So, yeah, was it? Um, yeah. Godfather of podcasting. I like it, but I, I don't know. I almost feel like John Lee Dumas is the godfather of podcasting. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take him on, though. The, well, you're the new the new godfather. The new godfather of yeah, podcasting. There's a, the, there's a new godfather. The, the, the podfather. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. The podfather. That's good. So um, speaking of me being the podfather, I, I want to take... A second here. I want to expand on the analytics that you just gave the people. I first want to specify that we broke the top 200 in the United States for self-improvement specifically. Um, we're actually even higher in like India, in, yeah, India and Australia and things like that. We reached like 41 in some of those areas. I don't know why that is. I don't know if there's as many podcasts even available in those markets, but that's all good too. And I want to note for the people listening to this right now, because I know that you have a pretty loyal fan base. And as the podcast gets older, the harder it is to stay ranked up there because iTunes just likes new podcasts. So it's actually more important now than ever for people to be subscribing and reviewing and bringing their friends along. So that I, I'm going to end it there with that little spiel. Okay. But that's my housekeeping. Yeah. So if you guys have helped out in the past, you've shared it or left a review, uh, convince a friend to do the same thing. That, yeah. That's kind of the, the the next level of this, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah. Because the older we are, it's, it's it's like your credit score going down. It's just like, if you don't do anything, you're like, Ugh. so okay. yeah, there's that. It's good. It's good. And, uh, you know, guys, for clarity, every episode, I would like you to, to share it. Um, because I think every, every episode's 
you know, going to hit somebody differently. So there should be a new person in mind when you listen to that episode. You should think about a different friend or a different family member. At least that's my hope. Um, that way we can spread it across, you know, more people and uh, um, um, with with uh, we, we just, so we can just spread it further. Yeah, just yeah. post it on social. Like, do something. Cool. But thank you guys so much for helping us get to that ranking. We're going to the top and uh, you guys are the fuel behind that. So thank you. All right. Let's well, jump right in. Yeah. I want to ask you a question actually that came up in one of my classes the other week and I've really wanted your opinion on it. That somewhat has to do with the topic. Do you, do you have a price that you could be bought for? Hmm. I love I love this question because um, I do too, and it was really interesting to me. I was kind of surprised at the reaction some of my classmates were giving to this question, because for most yeah. of them, it was just like, "Yeah." <laughs> um, so you should elaborate on that so people understand. Really, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, right, but when yeah. you say "can you be bought," like, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, see, that's that's where I wanted the conversation to go because it's hard to just say. What I mean by that, but I, I guess what I mean by that is like we all have some sort of dream or vision or whatever we want to call it, right? And I feel like kind of what we're getting into today is the point where people just kind of crack and the point where people just can't take it anymore or the point where people will just give up on what they've got because they're offered enough. You know, they sell out. Maybe they get a job that pays six figures a year and maybe that's enough for them to give up on building the business of their dreams or maybe... You know, they get some some sort of other deal where they're like, eh, that's good enough. And, it, you know, that's worth more to me than what it would take to actually get to my vision. So when I say, you know, do you have a price? It literally means like how much money does someone have to give you or what opportunity does someone have to give you in order to get you to give up on pursuing your own thing and helping them pursue theirs? Yeah, uh, specifically like pick a goal that you have and can you be bought out from that goal? Yeah. Be the question, right? Um, I, I like this question because this is something I've actually worked really, really hard to cultivate. And what you're talking about is the difference between somebody who's interested in their goal and somebody who's committed. Um, you know, if you're interested in a goal, you'll do what's convenient. And if you're committed to it, you'll do what's required. There's a huge, huge difference. Um, and I had this conversation actually on a deployment one time with a guy, I was driving in this piece of crap Toyota pickup on this base that we had driving around, we were running some errands and there was about, there was four of us in the car, uh, a couple senior NCOs and a couple officers. And I brought up that exact question. I said, Hey, what's your guys is like, what's one of your guys' goals? And everybody went around the truck and asked, and I, and I said, just out of curiosity, you know, how, how much could I buy you out? How much would it take to buy you out of that goal? And everybody had a number and then they, they, and I was just curious, was kind of doing it as a case study, kind of like how you were doing it. And then they asked me and I, and they said, what's one of yours? And I said, well, one of my goals is to read a book a week. You know, I want to read 52 in a year. And, um, I'm usually a few short depending on, um, what happens in that year or whatever. And so it's a goal that I'm always after, but Anyways, they asked me that and I said, yeah, it's to read a book a week. That's just one simple one. And they said, well, how much could, could we buy you out of that for? And I said, zero, zero dollars. They're like, bullshit. They said, bullshit. And the whole car started laughing. And they're like, you're telling me if I gave you a billion dollars, you wouldn't stop pursuing that goal. And I said, I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. And I, and I said it with supreme confidence too. And 
the reason I, I was able to do that is because I, I know that if you really, really, really want to achieve something, you have to be unwavering in your ability and commitment to getting it. Um, and so I, you have to come up to have those hard choices and those hard decisions early or you'll never get right. it. Do you think that's a sign of like that kind of foreshadows whether or not someone will achieve their goal? Is there a commitment level to it? Well, that that kind of sound sounded not the way I wanted it to when it comes up. But like if someone says, yeah, I could be bought out from this goal for a billion dollars. Would that be a sign to you that they probably won't get to the goal because they're not committed to it? Yeah, hundred percent. And and most most people can, and and that's why most people don't uh, achieve their goals. Like the statistic is unreal. Like if you look at like uh, you know people that make New Year's resolutions, mm-hmm. you could probably look it up while we're on here. But but the point is that most people that set out New Year's resolution don't actually achieve it, and it's because they're interested in it. They're not committed. Um, and mm-hmm. and since this is a, an educational podcast, you know I can give somebody a tool on what to do so that they can hit their goals, be committed, not interested. And this is a model that I teach called the arrow method. Um, the arrow method is a, a tool to help assess how congruent your thoughts, feelings, and behaviors are with your goal. So if you, if you picture, um, a target out in the middle of nowhere, a paper target, well, that's your goal. And let's just say that goal is reading 52 books in a year, a book a week. Well, the arrow is made up of three components. The tip of the arrow is your thoughts and your words. The shaft of the arrow is your emotions, your feelings. And then the tail of the arrow is your actions, your behaviors. So in a perfect world, we identify the goal and then our thoughts, our words, our feelings, and our actions all are in alignment and they hit that goal. But what ends up happening is that that arrow is often broken in most people's lives. Their actions go in a different direction than their feelings and their words. Or they say that they're going to do it, right? The tip of the arrow is pointing at the goal. They don't feel deep down inside like they can actually achieve it. And so that direction, the shaft of the arrow is pointed a different direction. They have doubt. And then the tail of the arrow, because of that doubt, their actions are completely incongruent with their thoughts and their feelings. And it's going to completely different. So it's a broken arrow, yeah. right? And all three pieces go in different directions. Yeah, and if you ever try to shoot a broken arrow, it doesn't fucking work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you want that to be straight every single time. And from a performance standpoint, what you can teach people to do is how to, you can teach them how to increase all three components, how to get them to talk bigger, think bigger, feel bigger, and then act bigger. Boom, boom, boom. And you do that enough, you amplify that, then you can hit further targets. Yeah. So when it comes to this question of price, like, would you say that, like, what is it about, sir? Because what surprised me when this came up, you know, in one of my college classes about it is that seriously, everyone in the class besides me had kind of agreed on this idea that everybody has some sort of number. Like if that number gets big enough, like everyone will just sell their soul basically you know they'll just drop their integrity we're actually talking about integrity in the context that we were talking about but it was just like what is it about people that don't have that price what are they actually after it's it's a difference in their happiness uh their their perception of happiness 
Okay. okay with, the, with, with the goal attainment. So if you're thinking about X amount of dollars, mm -hmm. most people, when that number gets really big, their happiness goes up. But for a person that's committed to their goal, not interested, that number doesn't make them more happy. Yeah. The actual achievement of the goal makes them more happy. Yeah. And doesn't, so, wouldn't, wouldn't you think that also has to do with, um, to be that guy it has to do with why they want that goal in the first place. Cause a lot of people might set goals for the, you know, dollar sign that's attached to that goal. Like I want to become CEO of a big company, but it, in a lot of cases, frankly, that's because they want to make CEO salary and not necessarily because they're all that into that company. Yeah. And it's actually deeper than that. They don't actually want that position or outcome. What they want is everything that they think like that's the surface level stuff with the goal. What they're thinking about is the transformation of their entire life. They think if I get this outcome, my entire life is going to transform. And guess what? I'll be happier. You know, Tony Robbins says people move away from pain and towards pleasure. Well, really people move towards more enjoyment every single time, right? They, they, and that's why, you know, we're going to talk about it, but the easy path, that's why the easy path is so appealing because it's so, it, that's why it's so intoxicating because the easy way out makes us feel happier, right? It's like, oh, if I go this direction versus the harder route, it's going to be less painful to me and I'll be happier going that direction. Yeah, that's so weird. And it's kind of a, I mean, it's kind of a utilitarian concept, right? Like maximize pleasure and minimize pain. But it's weird when you do start getting into people like you and like David Goggins is the other big one, obviously. It, it is almost like, it, it was funny because this came up in one of my class, in a different class too the other day where um, we were talking about utilitarianism and my professor accidentally got it backwards and said, we should try to maximize pain and minimize pleasure. And then he's like, wait, no, that would be bad. And I'm like, I don't know. That almost is what Jeremiah tries to do <laughs> is, is maximize pain and minimize pleasure. But obviously that's not exactly what you try to do, but you see the value in you know, pain and they might not be, you know, conf or like polar opposites after all. It it's, might not be so much either or, but like go through pain now to increase the level you perform at later, I guess. Yeah. yeah. That's the way to put it. You know, delayed gratification. Do you want the yeah. instant, instant gratification or do you want delayed gratification? If you want delayed gratification, then that usually requires some pain up front. And, you know, but both paths, like I said, like all of that really just ties into happiness. And I, um, I'd, I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't say who I learned that from, you know, Ed Milet is a guy that taught that to me. Um, so it, he's another great, great person. I always like to try to give people credit when, when I learned something yeah, from them, cause it's, it's totally wrong. There's too many people out there in the world that just say that they're their original content creator of everything. And it's like, yeah. there's really like one dude that's doing it. Yeah. Anyways. But, um, yeah, so he taught me that, and, you know, he's, he's very, a very successful, uh, performance coach. And, um, anyways, so yeah, that's where I got it from. But the bottom line is it's true. And, um, you know, if you think about happiness, that's what we're after. And so I think from a, like how I, how I handle it is, yeah, I go towards pain, but it's because on the backside, I'm going to be happier. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's like your post that you put up on Instagram. I think it was, it might've been Facebook, but you said something about doing things differently than everybody else so that you can get a yeah. different result. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that that's really which came from you, by the way, which I don't think I mentioned (laughs) in the post. But that that was from you from the first time I interviewed you on my old podcast. Yeah. I just I remember that you saying that to me. And that just has always stuck out in my head. But go ahead and keep going where you're going with that. Well, and I, I got it from Einstein. I read Einstein's book and, and he and he said, you know, I, you can't solve your problems with the same thinking you used when you created them. Yeah. I read and that so, like yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So, so, you know, it's all, we're all, we're all, you know, mm-hmm. recycling information, but, um, it's great that we're all sharing the information with each other. Right. So the easy way out, um, when people are not interested, we're not, not committed to their goal and they're only interested in it. They'll take the easy way out every single time. Okay, so when people so when people are kind of in that where, where they're kind of trying to figure out if they want to take the easy way out, what are some what are some signs that people might be on the wrong track in terms of like you you've been getting people asking you like a big example for you, you're an army guy is these other people saying like how do I chase you know chase this dream or how do I go after this goal while I'm in the army and I can't really do anything because I'm in the army and they put restrictions on me and I've got to spend my time there. Like what should these people do? Yeah. So we'll talk about some strategies and techniques to get them congruent with their goal. Cause that's really what we're talking about right now. You know, if we, if we look at the arrow method, like I highlighted at the beginning, that person that you just described wants to be congruent. They want their, to say what they're going to get. They want to feel like they're going to get it and act in a way to get it, but they're making an excuse that their environment dictates it. Um, so to highlight a key point that you made, you said, what, what are some signs that they won't get it? Mm-hmm. Well, the, fir- the first thing is the tip of the arrow, their words. So if, if people use words like shouldn't, couldn't, I can't, um, maybe these passive words that suggest failure early on, that's an indicator that they're not going to achieve it. Okay. If you look at like some high, high performing athletes, Conor McGregor is a great example. If you go to any single one of his uh, motivational videos that people have made, they, every one of them includes him saying something along the lines of, I say what I'm going to do, and then I do it. And he says it with certainty. He says it with confidence. And I guarantee that individual, if I put him in the military with that mindset and the way that he approaches his goals, it doesn't matter what, what uh, variables are tossed into his life. He's going to achieve what he says he's going to do, right? So one of the signs that somebody's not going to do it is their word choice. So I'm, I'm always, as an individual, I, I, tra- I train myself first so that I can train others, right? I'm very, very particular about my word choice. In fact, I had a breakfast with a, um, uh, a, a guy recently, a business owner recently, and we brought up the conversation of time. And he asked me, I forget what the activity was exactly. Um, oh, Basically, it was about jujitsu training. Okay. We were talking about jujitsu and I've been doing more and more of it. I've been doing some MMA grappling, so on and so forth. And he said, um, why the sudden interest? I told him, I said, well, you know, I had all these years before when I was in the military where I made excuses and I said, I didn't have, I didn't want to get injured. Um, it was just kind of this sport that I admired, but I never participated in. And, um, he asked me the question about time. He was like, was, was, uh, did you just not have time for it or something? And I said, no, I just never made time. And I kept going with my conversation. I didn't think twice about it, but he like stopped the conversation. He's like, I, he's like, I like how you said you didn't make time. 
And I said, what do you mean? And he's like, well, no, your word choice is very, very specific about that. He's like, you took control of the time and didn't make an excuse. You just said, hey, I didn't make time for this. It wasn't a priority. So I pushed it off versus what most people do, which is, hey, I didn't have time, which now they're a victim in that sentence, right? Yeah. So um, you can pull me back into your specific question. But what I'm trying to get at here is the signs that people won't get what they what they set out to is their word choices. They always typically... Uh, one of the hardest things to get somebody to change is their patterns of their linguistic patterns, mm-hmm. how they speak to themselves, how they speak about what they want. Um, and, but if you can, if you can switch it, you right. can actually straighten out that arrow that we're talking about. Dude, yeah. words are so powerful too. And you don't really realize it until you listen to something like this or you read something about it and you realize how much something It's like, I was, I was reading John Wooden's book the other day about he was talking about i forget which one of his like quadrillion little phrases he was talking about but he 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 just talks about success and he like had to change out the word willingness in one of his mantras to the word eagerness instead and it's weird how a simple word change like that can totally change the trajectory of what you're saying to yourself even at a subconscious level um so that kind of started to bleed into another question i was going to ask which is when we get people asking you know, I'm trying to achieve this, but my time is limited or my resources are limited or whatever is limited because I have a nine to five or because I'm in the military. I was going to ask, is it actually the nine to five that's getting in the way or is it this person's idea that the nine to five is getting in the way that's getting in the way? Yeah. I mean, it, it, you answered it. It's, 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 they're making an excuse, you know, is, is hands down. And I know the person that's hearing that doesn't want to hear that. And, or maybe they kind of feel it at a subconscious level. But, but the truth is that when you say that your nine to five is getting in the way of whatever goal that you have, you're looking for the easy way out. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. That, that's a habit. You know, when you're always looking for the easy way out, you're never going to do the things that are required to get you where you want to be. It's now, just that- not, at that point, should you start questioning? If you are that person in that situation, you're saying, I really want to do X, Y, and Z, but it's hard for me to get that going because of my job. Should you start questioning whether or not you really want to do X, Y, and Z? Yeah. So you should, you should, you should question whether you're inter- ask yourself that specific question. Am I interested in this or am I committed to it? Okay. Because what a lot of people do is they'll, they'll, they'll just ride the line between the two and they'll never, they'll, they'll never be decisive about their goal. So as a rule of thumb, you should just have four short-term goals that you're working towards at any point in time. Anything more than that, it's, it's likely it's unmanageable. So narrow down what you want to do, get very, very clear about what you're going to say no to, and then be decisive on whether or not you're going to do it. My favorite person in the world right now at this point in time is, <laughs> is, is Jesse Itzler. Oh, shit. And- no, no kidding. Yes, because of what he did this month in February. He did what, uh, something called, shout out Jesse Itzler, hope you don't mind on my podcast, man. Yes. We're going to have to tag It's him. also March now, but February. <laughs> right, right, right. So, <laughs> But for the month of February, he ran a mile for the date, for, for the day of the month that it was. Oh, no so, shit. Yeah, it's called the Calendar that's, Club. That's really cool. And so on the first, he ran one mile on the 29th, he ran 29 miles. And yeah. so the, the, the last week he did something like 300 miles or something like that. Uh, but he picked the cheap month to do it. <laughs> well, it, yeah, but it's the longer month, right? Cause it's a leap year. So <laughs> yeah, it's longer than all the other Februarys. Yeah. But he still, he still did, you know, 
like 300 miles in a week on top of doing like without a day off, you know, every single day, mm-hmm. there's no rest days. And what I love about him and this topic is that he said what he was going to do and he committed himself to it. And what he was, his message every single day was that he, I don't negotiate with my goals. I don't negotiate with my goals. He was saying it over and over and over again. And so he's a person that that arrow that we're talking about is always in line. He says what he's going to do and then he does it. And afterwards, after the event, he'll readjust. But as soon as he makes that goal, it becomes a commitment. And then it's locked in. And his, you should have seen his ankle. His ankle was blowing out of his <laughs> shoe. It was horrible. And you know, in December, I, I attempted uh, eight marathons in a row, right? And yeah. I, so I know what he was going through. I was going to say, I, I see enough of your feet on Instagram that I don't need to see anybody else's ankles or blisters or whatever the fuck they have going on. But um, and and just for the people that don't aren't already familiar with Jesse Hitzler, like that's just such a Jesse Hitzler thing to do. Um, if you're like he he kind of became something because he started like a private jet style of company without having the first fucking clue like anything about private jets, and he's got the muffin story and all that. But that's that can be for a different time. So yeah, he, he sold, he sold, he, he sold a, um, coconut water to Coca-Cola for like a, like near a billion dollars or something like that. Insane he sold, he sold marquee jets to Warren Buffett and he did this stuff like in his twenties and thirties. Yeah. That's right. That, that's the insane part is that he just decided he was going to do this stuff and then didn't have a whole ton or any formal training and just made it happen anyway. And I think that's kind of what we're getting at here is that people need to realize that there's a way to do it. You just got to actually look for that way in order to find it and then find it and then do it. <laughs> like, Yeah. And a quick, a quick tool to use, um, you know, because this, like I said, this is a practical podcast is instead of, you know, major steel, what, mm-hmm. what he would do in this situation is major steel will ask not, uh, why can't I, but how can I? Okay. How can I? So I have this nine to five, I have this goal and some of the stuff that you're going to be you're going to have to do to get to your, whatever goal you have is going to be insane. So I, I built my business, my nine to five business, or excuse me, my business while having a nine to five. And I was getting up at two o'clock, some mornings, two 30, most mornings, mm-hmm. the whole time I was building it at two 30 AM, not PM two thirty AM. And I was working on it. And then I would go, I do a couple hours of business. I go get my first workout of the day. Then I get into work at six 30, do my second workout, transition to my nine to five, put in a full day of work, get home, do business on the back end from six, seven o'clock to eight o'clock, nine o'clock, and then go to sleep by nine 30. And, you know, I did that for a really long time. And even before I was building my business, I was doing other things like that because my goals, I was committed to them. I'm not, I'm not going to negotiate with that shit. Like I'm going to find a way. And, and you know, the funny thing about time is that people feel like they're trapped in this structure that society has put on us. Well, guess what? Newsflash, man, you can, you can sleep any time of the day that you want. You have 24 hours and you might get in trouble for it in some places than others, but guess what? You have that flexibility to wake up when you want, go to sleep when you want and manage your own time. So it's a victim mentality when we say that we don't have you know, time in our nine to five. And I guys, and I, I sound like I'm being harsh right now, but I say this to you, this, the listeners right now, this guy is like, this guy's a dick. No, I say this to you because I say this to you like a brother. All right. And I, I want you to wake up and I want you to win. And I know that if somebody would have said that to me earlier in my life, I'd be 10 times further than I am right now. I, I played that game where I thought that I was trapped in a nine to five. Okay. But once you break free of that and take control 
You can do anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so what do we, what do we all want to talk about here? Like balance. Balance is another one of the things that came up while we were talking about this before we got on here and people just trying to, trying to, trying to, let's just talk about balance in general. Like, do you think that's a, that's a good concept to be trying to follow? Do you think that people, because they know that on some level, like they need to keep their job in order to pay the bills, right? That's why people do this in the first place. And you hear all those stories about like, oh, I quit my job to pursue my dream business. But there are cases where that's just a stupid thing to do. So what, what level should you try to balance things at in life? Should you try to kind of start pushing whatever you want the most up and focusing more on that than other things or if you have more than one thing going on should you actually try to balance the however many of them yeah the first so you know to tie this into the easy path ba balance mm -hmm. complete balance having balance in all areas of your life like where i have eight hours like my time is completely balanced in all the areas of my life <laughs> that idea is the easy path okay that's the easy way out it's like oh i should not work out this weekend. I should only work out five days a week because, you know, I need balance in my life. When the, when the reality is it's subjective to the individual, it's relative to the individual. Some people, maybe they need to not work out that weekend for two days. Other people, maybe they do need to work out, but complete balance. It's, it's a, it's a BS idea. Now, if you're so imbalanced that it's causing you stress, causing you anxiety, then you need to reevaluate your time and priorities. But to think that we should have a, a, a completely balanced life in all areas uh, that are important to us is, is insane. But what's, what's more important is to be present and to be intentional with the time that we do have so that we can feel balanced. Okay. Yeah. For, for example, if I take two days off, three days off of working out in a week, I feel imbalanced. Right. I want to work out, but some days if I work out for a month, two months, three months straight without taking a single day off or bringing down my intensity, I'm going to feel out of whack. So, it, you know, what I'm saying is that balance is, is, is made up. So you have to, you have to shape it and make it, um, make yourself feel balanced according to what's acceptable to you without taking the easy way out. Does that make sense? I think, I think you're touching on something that I've talked about in the past too, where people, people try too hard to do what they're told is kind of the right way to do things instead of just listening to their body. Sometimes I think about that when you're talking about working out here, because we all know you and we all know that you work out 90 hours a day. And, um, but like you're saying, like you kind of just, you take it easy when you feel like you need to, and then you go hard when you feel like you need to. And I feel like people are that way with kind of everything like with their sleep they're like i'm supposed to get eight hours of sleep a night that's not true for everyone you know right. and when people ask me i'm just like i sleep when i'm tired i eat when i'm hungry like the those are the kinds of things that i think people overlook but instead they give themselves this artificial sense of what they're supposed to do like i'm supposed to eat this much i'm supposed to eat this many times a day you know what i mean so do you think that yeah. same thing applies to how they approach their life in the bigger picture where they're like, I'm supposed to have this job. I'm supposed to have this much money when I'm 25 years old. Yeah. It's a huge problem because it's how, it's how we're taught, you know, we're taught what to do, not how to do it. Right. Or like we're, we're taught what to think, not how to, how think. to think. 
right? Like, hey, take the teacher, we're in school, the teacher says, hey, take this home, study this, prepare for these set of questions. That's the teacher teaching you, um, you know, what to think, right? It's not teaching you how to think, like being a little more ambiguous with it, teaching you to think creatively. And so it's natural as we get, we get older and we start developing um, different goals and whatnot to always ask ourselves, what are we supposed to be doing? Instead of what do I need to do to get this <laughs> specific right. result that I want, right? So yeah, anyway, um, it's, it's most people are choosing the easy way out, not because they necessarily want to, but it's because they've been taught to. And what we're doing in this podcast right now is we're mm -hmm. telling everybody like, hey, you have control to stop taking the easy way out. Like, wake up, stop making excuses. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That was my next question. It's like, why do people want to take the easy way out in the first place? Like, do you think that they really want to take the easy way out or they just almost feel pressured to? Yeah, I think that it goes back to happiness. It's like they think that they can still sustain their happiness or get happier by not doing the work. Um, so I think that's the reason why, but what's, what's more important is that everybody starts making this, this shift. Um, and you know, if you guys haven't, for you guys that are new suffering Saturday is a great way to start doing it. The, the suffering Saturday is a great way to stop taking the easy way out. Um, and to teach yourself to start taking the harder path, as I like to call it, right? The harder option, because that's the path that's going to pay the most. Is that all you got? Okay. So like, <laughs> uh, where else was I just going to go with that? Uh, so people take the easy way out. It's because of their happiness. There was something I was going to say that came up while you were saying that. And then I expected you to go a lot longer. Um, fuck. When it comes to happiness... Like, oh, oh, I know what it was. You were talking about like they don't want to do as much work, but sometimes I feel like the easy path almost comes with more work. It, maybe I should explain that a little bit better, but the harder path, so to speak, either comes with, I don't know, harder work in a different sense, or even I think there's more of a fear of failure involved in taking that path and taking the, the not the easy way out. You know, or not taking the easy way out, I should say. Do you, like, do yeah. you think that's part of it? What what role does safety play in all of this? I, I don't think it's safety. What I think it is is identity. Most issues with people and achieving their goals are identity-based. Um, so this is one of the reasons why people have a hard time competing. This is why people have a hard time showing up and presenting like a, in front of a class. Um, there's this, there's this, everybody tries to, push out their own perception um, of themselves. They try to portray themselves a certain way. Okay. And when it's test time, when it's execution time, there's nobody that there's nothing that they can do to convince everybody else that they're not that person. They have to actually display it. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I walk around telling everybody I'm the fittest guy in the world, like I'm number one in the world. I am the fittest guy. Right. And I, I'm so good that everybody starts to believe it. But then I go out and I do like the army's physical fitness test, two mile right. pushups and sit up. And I'm like the last guy that finishes it. And I do it in front of everybody. Well, results speak for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So for that individual, he's going to feel nervous about doing the PT event. 
He's going to feel nervous. He's going to be caught. He's going to feel like a fraud that he's going to fail. And so I think with a lot of people, we're always trying to portray our best self and the easy way out protects, protects, uh, (laughs) excuse me, protects that perception. So if I don't do something, that means I can convince you that I can still do it. Right. Right, If I actually do it and fail, then I'm a liar and I'm not actually that person. And now guess what? My ego's crushed. So, you know, I think that's why that's one of the reasons. Um, Another reason is just, it's just a habit. Taking the easy way out is a habit. Now, everything you do in life, this is a little technique to use if you're, when you're trying to build habits, when you, you're either, you're either building a habit or you're breaking it. Okay. You're either creating one or destroying one. Those are the only two options in life, Mm -hmm. right? Literally you you do things one. Okay. So you're either creating one or you're destroying one. Um, now the easy way out is a habit. And if you do it once, you're going to do it twice. And then you do it three times. It's like you wake up in the morning and you hit your snooze the first day. Well, guess what happens the second day? You hit the snooze. <laughs> hit the snooze and the third day, you hit the snooze. And then you're beating yourself up and you're dealing with shame every single day. So coming back to the easy way out, you want to avoid the easy way out because you're developing habits. And if you think about the compound effect of your habits, when you do something once, imagine doing it 10,000 times. So if you go to the store every day after work and you go get a bottle of wine and some Doritos because you like that combination, it's your favorite snack. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, guess you what? You brought up Doritos on the last podcast too, didn't you? Yeah, I'm glad know. you I'm glad you noticed that. I, I was talking about <laughs> finding your cell phone in the crap cabinet <laughs> yeah. with Doritos. I remember you but, saying it. I just can't remember if it's on a podcast or if it's on a call or if it's on a... Go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm reinforcing this idea that we need to get away from the easy way out because of the, the because of the way you're building your habits, because of the way we're building our habits. So if you go you go home from work, you grab a bag of Doritos and some wine, and you do that one time, it's going to turn into two times. And so what you should do on a mental level is picture yourself doing that ten thousand times, ten thousand times, doing it over the course of your life. And what's the product of that going to be? You know, what's the outcome going to be? You're going to be, you're going to be fat and hammered every evening for, you know, X <laughs> amount of years. And like, <laughs> I don't know if that you really... want to say that, that might encourage some people. <laughs> but, um, hopefully not say- the people listening to this in the first place. That should not encourage you. Yeah. Well, all I'm saying is that like, let's straighten out our arrow. Stop taking the easy way out so that our thoughts, feelings, and actions are all, all congruent with each other. Right. So is your philosophy that there is never a good time to take the easy way out? Uh, that feels like a trap. I don't know if I, if I, I, it, it, it probably is, but if it is, I don't know how to like use the trap. Like I'm not trying to trap you, but yeah. I know what I would mean. tie, I would tie it back into the harder path. Like I always say the harder path is the right path unless there's safety or, or risk like life limb or uh, right. eyesight safety involved. Um, so with that being said, like, yeah, you got to reduce risk, but, but Okay. But most of the time, it's not that way. 99% of the time, the easy way out is just a cop out. Uh, and unfortunately, I, I, there's probably the, the guy's probably listening to this, but I'm going to tell the story anyway. Um, I had to turn down a client this recently. And it was because this will sound harsh, but he took the easy way out. And he was justified re- mostly. However, it was still taking the easy way out. So a guy came to me and he wanted to work with me. And he said, Hey man, he's super focused, 
hey, I'm tired. I am fed up. All of his words were saying that he was done living in these old behaviors. How many people have been there before? You know, we've all been there before. Yeah. And we live in this life cycle where we just keep repeating it, never actually follow through. So this guy was coming to me and he said, hey, and I, I, I have a really good read on people. Okay. Um, I've, I've met you know thousands of people in my life and I don't know where I get it, but my emotional intelligence, I feel maybe I'm delusional, but I feel like it's very <laughs> high. So when people, one of the things I do is I try to challenge people when they tell me they want something. And so this guy was, this, this individual was one of those people. I said, all right, dude, you want to work with me? I hear you're committed. All your words sound like you're committed to working with me and making these changes. You want to move business and fitness together. I get it. Let's do it. Um, we're having coffee on Tuesday. This Saturday, what I want you to do is work out with me. I want you to work out with me on Saturday. And there's a big difference between our physical abilities. And I said, don't worry. I said, I'm going to do something beforehand to level the playing field so it's even. Um, and it's just a short little trip that we're going to do up the uh, the incline here in Manitou Springs, which is a, a mile straight up. It's actually pretty brutal. The, the guy was naturally worried about his, his, you know, being climatized to the terrain. He hadn't worked out in a long time and I was convinced that he would be fine. And I said, listen, man, you'll be all right. Show up and let's prove that you want to change. And he said, okay, let's do it. I'll meet you there on Saturday, 6am. So I said, good. So Friday happened Friday morning rolls around late morning, right about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. He texts me. He said, Hey, uh, man, I got to pull out tomorrow. Um, I can't, I can't do the workout with you. So this is like right before the test, right? This is where most people get uncomfortable. They get stressed out, they get nervous and they back out of their commitment. It's time to show up. And he said, I, I can't do it. And I said, all right, texted him. Hey, he said, I said, um, he, he told me he was sick. He was like, Hey, man, I got sick. I can't do it. I said, are you sick or are you nervous? Question mark, sick or nervous question mark. And he's responded back, LOL, both. And then he continued to say, he's like, no, but for real, I'm really sick. I actually had to take the day off of work. Not sure if my kid gave me something, so on and so forth. And so I, I think he really was sick, right? Um, and I responded back to him and I said, okay, no worries. Meet me there anyway. And we'll make the decision the morning of. Okay. If you can't go up to the top, we'll change the plan. So what I did was I tried to remove the physical requirement and give and lower the bar and still see if he was committed to working with me. And he said, no, nah, man, I'm just not really feeling it. And now I get a really good gauge of how committed he is to mm -hmm. making change. Like, okay, so you're committed, right? You're telling me you're committed, but you can't just show up for this 6 a.m. workout. <clears throat> and listen, man, if, if he's listening right now, I, I, I hope that you know, we straighten this out and we get you rolling because I do, I just mean this as a brother and I care about this guy a lot and I know he has the intention to turn, turn his life around. But so he said that to me and I said, all right, meet me there at 6am. We'll make the call. And he said, he responded back. He said, no, nah, man, I'm just not feeling it. And I said, listen, unfortunately then my services aren't available to you. And I said, best of luck. And he said, all right, best of luck. And so we closed it out. But my, my point with all that is that this here's a guy that's sick. He might, he might even had a fever. Okay. He might've been throwing up, but the point of the matter is that, you know, he took the easy way out. The harder route would have been showing up anyway, which you can do if you're not in the emergency room mm -hmm. or in a car wreck, you can be there. And this is the type of commitment that we should have. If we say we're going to do something, no matter how, how small, how big we show up and we do it. 
or we say that we're not going to do it. We're going to commit to not doing it. Um, prime, prime example of why I know that this, this individual is capable of it is because long time ago I got pneumonia and I had come back from my deployment in Iraq. I was at my parents' house. It was the winter time and I got deathly sick and I lost 15 pounds in about two days. I was curled up in a fetal position. Yeah, it was it curled up in the fetal position by my fireplace at my parents' house. I was so sick, my gums were bleeding. My my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, was there watching me, and it looked like I was dying. And I had to go to the emergency room. I started getting sick on a Friday, Sunday. I went to the emergency room, and they carried me to the, like you know, I put my arm over family and friends to get to the car. They put me in the emergency room. They hooked me up with IVs, and they're like, "Dude, you had pneumonia." And I was like, okay, great. So I got sick. They're like, they're like, no, pneumonia can kill you. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> so and I didn't know anything about it. Right. And, and I was, and so anyways, <laughs> I, they, 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 you know, I stay a night in the hospital. They release me. Um, I was on leave at this time. So I was, you know, on vacation for those guys who don't know what leave is from the military. And a week later I was back at work. And when I went, I was in California when I had pneumonia and I went back to Kentucky, which was where I was stationed at. And when I was in Kentucky, I showed up Monday morning, I walked out there and it's like, you know, 15 degrees or less. Um, and I walk out to physical training formation and I tell my senior NCO, my platoon sergeant said, Hey, sergeant, uh, I was in the emergency room with pneumonia and I've never been to sick call in my life, but the doctor said I need to go as soon as I get back uh, from, from leave to make sure that I don't have residual pneumonia in my lungs and, and so on and so forth. And he looked at me in the face and he said, all right, you can do it after we work out. <laughs> and I looked up at him and I just like nodded my head and I was like, <laughs> Roger that. And, and I was like, what are we doing? He said five mile run. And I was like, okay, outside. He's like, Yes, outside. And I was like, all right. So I took off and it was the most pain I have ever been in. Well, I wouldn't say ever, but it was a lot of pain. And I uh, did, the, did the five mile run. My lungs were just hurting. I felt like I was sleeping the whole time because I was so groggy. Um, I finished it out and then I went to the hospital and they, they just plus me up more antibiotics, I think. And then um, oh, I ended dude. up getting better. But the, the, <laughs> the point is that he prevented me from taking the easy way out, even though it was probably a bad leader call. It did teach me a right. lot about taking the harder path and not, you know, essentially bitching out from stuff, right? That's such, it's so fucked up to me to think that there are people like you that do stuff like that. And then the scale, like like the sliding scale is so long, large because there are also like kids that in high school like won't even dress out for gym class because they don't feel like participating. And then there's people like you that will fucking run umpteen miles in negative 70 degree weather on with pneumonia for like no reason. It's just, I don't know. It's just wild to me to think just how different people are and how clear the results of those people's lives are too. And people still sit around like, why the fuck did I never make anything of myself? Yeah. And, and that's what, and that's what we're doing with this podcast. We're just, we're helping people realize like, there's nothing, there's nothing exceptional about me at all. Like I am just a guy that like learned some of these lessons that I'm sharing early on. And I learned that like, listen, man, when you, when you have pneumonia and you've been a week, week out of it and you've been healed, you can actually do more than, than you say you, th or than you think you can. Exactly. And, 
And like, you know, even just like showing up to PT, like in the army, if you're sick, like I had food poisoning in the army, like literally 72 hours of, (laughs) of puking and throwing up and, and, you know, pooping my brains out. And I still had to go to formation at six 30 in the morning and stand there and say, Hey, I have food poisoning and then figure out what to do with me. Like getting out of bed and getting to that formation. It was like one of the hardest things to do for the day. Right. But, but you know, like I said, there's nothing special about me. Somebody, somebody made me do it. And so that's what we're doing here on the podcast is like, stop taking the easy way out. If you, if you have a goal and you have a nine to five, figure out a way to make it happen and, and stop taking the easy path, take the harder path. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would argue that, you know, you say there's nothing exceptional about you and I get what you mean, but I would argue that there is, but it's not like this God given talent or anything like that. You just choose to have something exceptional about you. And it's something that can be exceptional about anyone if they just actually make the effort to be that type of a person. Right. Like I, I'm committed to trying to become (laughs) exceptional, right? I am. And I, I try to, and I fail all the time but we should all be trying to become exceptional. So we should call ourselves on our own bullshit. And since this like is a practical podcast, once again, and we're talking about the easy way out, some, some very specific tangible ways to do this, uh, to straighten out your arrow and stop, um, taking the easy way out is everything starts with words. Okay. This is the lesson for today. Okay. So if you've been listening, you've been all the way through and you've been like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. I'm done taking the easy way out. Here's your performance hack. The performance hack is everything starts with words. Okay. So how you speak and how you think are the tip of your arrow. So start being very, very intentional with what you say you're going to do and then demonstrate the action behind it, no matter how small. Okay. Um, Be clear on your commitments. Be clear on what you're committed to versus what you're interested to. That's point number two. Okay. So start shaping your words is point number one. Point number two is be clear on your uh, commitments versus your interests. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then number three is no matter how big or small, you always execute what you say you're going to do every single time. Okay. Those are point. Those are the three points right there. What do you got? Um, Oh, okay. There was only three points. How about, Going back to uh, the guy that you just told the story about that may or may not be listening to this, I I, kind of want to address this too, though. Like, If there's someone listening to this right now that knows inside of them that they're the type of person that takes the easy way out, what can that person do? That's kind of already, you know, behind the behind the crowd, so to speak. Like, what can they start doing to kind of get themselves caught back up to the point where they can then get to that tipping point and dip over into being the type of person that doesn't always take the easy way out. Suffering Saturday. Suffering Saturday <laughs> is the easiest. On it, it is. Suffering yeah. Saturday. So if you guys go into my Instagram, if you don't know what Suffering Saturday is, but it's a, it's a weekly event that you do to put yourself into mental and physical pain and you go further than you want to go. You, you find that point of failure, you go further. And don't talk yourself out of it. Make the bar very, very low and just start executing it and then build upon it over and over and over again. Um, you know, one of, one of the things I do in my coaching program is I, we talked a lot about the arrow method and, and straightening that out. Well, a lot of what I do is I amplify each of those three components. I help somebody talk bigger, think bigger, feel bigger, and then act bigger. And if I can do that, they can 10 X what they're doing in their life. So it's, it's, it's a really, it's more complicated than we have time for on here. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would, or I would teach it, but everybody should be thinking about that model 
when they're going to take the easy path. Okay. You should think about the goal that you're after the target, your thoughts being the tip of the arrow, the shaft of the arrow being your emotions, and then the tail of the arrow being your behaviors and your actions. Okay. And you think about, am I being congruent with my goal? Okay. Every single time. So if you're making excuses about your nine to five, am I being congruent with my goal? All right. So just focus every single day on making your arrow as straight as possible. Awesome. I'm done. Hell yeah. That was a good one, man. It was nice. Yeah. It was a nice uh, riff today. So guys, you got some practical experience or practical tools out of this one. We talked about neuro-linguistic programming, um, you know, you, being specific about your word choices so that you program yourself for success. And then we had uh, three points that broke down how to be more congruent. Okay. Um, but really the biggest takeaway I think was, you know, deciding what you're interested in and what you're committed to being clear about that. And remember, you know, what I opened up today's podcast with the quote from the beginning, remember what I said, I said, today I will do what others won't. So tomorrow I will do what others can't. Jerry Rice said that. And every day you're building right now, you're trying to amount to something that others aren't going to be able to amount to. So use that and move forward today. And I'll see you in the next episode. Until then, be the leader. I need some motivation. motivation. Every day I try a little harder, but my dedication. dedication. Keep my head way, way above the water. Crying myself and I yell at the wall. Begging to run, but I needed to crawl. I see the finish line up ahead. Trying to get traction from all of this tread. I am a king. I am a queen. I am more than the people can see. I am strong when I'm needing to be. Vulnerability's nothing to me. You can try, but I'm unshakable. My successes is never debatable. I'm coming and I'm so interchangeable. Here's to you and all that you are capable. You gotta go hard, better get it.